This is our, our last message, and our text for today is in Ephesians chapter 4. And uh, I would ask that you would stand with me in honor of God's word as we read it. Ephesians four eleven to 16. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning and by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. God add rich blessings to the reading of his word inside of you. You can have a seat. Join me in prayer, please. God, thanks for your word. Teach us today. We realize that the principles of your word, some of them are just instantly life to us. You know, and it's just hearing words like, uh, you know, we just said, speak what is true. Here's my heart. Speak what is true. And every now and then there's a text that just jumps out and screams what we need to hear in our lives. Like what Shelby was praying about earlier where, you know, that, that first song we sang that, oh, how he loves us. You know, we just need to hear that where you whisper into our lives or shout into our lives. I love you and don't think anything else, you know. And there's some texts that rebuke us, that speak where we need a word of rebuke, where we're getting out of line and they just hit us. But then others just educate us. And they help us understand how you work and how things work. And they help us to, to be aware of how to function a little bit better. They teach us. And God, I ask that today you would teach us. You would help us to understand a little bit more. In the name of Jesus, amen. So uh, Last week, our message was that we are a community that primarily goes up, that we consume Christ. This is our job, is that we feast on Christ, that we are not first people who produce. We're not first people with a mission. We are a church that has a great purpose, and that purpose is to know and follow hard after God and to receive from him. And that We don't gauge ourselves or our Christian walk. Our Christian walk isn't about what we produce for God, whether we can be unified enough or whether we can do enough mission, but it's about whether we will go directly to God to receive what we need. That's what it was about. But here's the problem. Here's the hang-up, and and that sets up this week. problem is that we are very easily distracted (laughs) and that no matter how much we know, everything I need is from God, and I'm first supposed to consume from Him before I worry about going and doing this and being that. i got to consume from Him. But I very easily get distracted, and my eyes want to see other things, and my ears want to hear other things, and my belly wants to feast on other things, you know? And so I want to satisfy myself with lesser gods, and that's idolatry. And so part of what the body of Christ is about is we understand we're not just people following Christ, but we're a people following Christ. We're unified in that because we need each other in the pursuit of God. Today, um, what we're going to be doing, what we're talking about in this text is talking about God's design for how the family works. 
We're a family that helps each other in our pursuit of God. And today's a little bit more of a teaching than a preaching. It's not, there is personal application in it, but it's, it's much more education. And um, as I was thinking this through, I was, I was thinking about, you know, it's really a lot easier on a Sunday morning when we have preaching that's directly applicable to my personal life, my day in and day out life, as opposed to teaching that's explaining things about church or about, you know, things like that. And today's a little bit more of the teaching side. And I was in between services, I was praying about that. And I was thinking, you know, um, it's so important that we understand how the family works so that we can function appropriately in it. But how do I help us um, really feel how important that is? And I was in my office and I, I grabbed a, uh, a, a little thing that was in my mailbox here that was actually from Dave. And um, this is what it says. Okay. It says, listen to this. A lot of people say, I want to be a Christian, but I don't need a church. That's like saying, I want to play football in the NFL, but not be on any team. (laughs) I want to be a soldier, but not have a platoon. I want to play French horn, but not be in an orchestra. I want to live. I want to be a sailor without a ship or a bee without a hive. A Christian without a church family is an orphan. God told the Christians at Ephesus that they believe together, that they belong together with other Christians in his church. A church is not simply a place you go to every week, but a family you belong to. God designed a church for his glory and for our benefit. Amen? And it takes engaging in church the activity of church, the family of church, being a part of the community in order to experience it. In this article, it names five things the church helps me do. It helps me focus on God, worship, helps me go up. It helps me face life's problems through fellowship with one another. It helps me fortify my faith and become mature in my beliefs. It helps me find my ministry as I serve and figure out where I fit on the team. And it helps me fulfill my life mission, my purpose. That's pretty legit, isn't it? Valley Forge Baptist, senior pastor, Scott Wendell. Pretty cool. Right down the road, you know, someone who, who wrote that out. And um, I think that's, a, that's a, a, a really good perspective for us, is that we need a church body. And sometimes that means that we actually need to be aware of how the church works. We need to know how the church works because if we're going to engage appropriately in that uh, activity, in the activity and in the family of the church, then we need to have an awareness of how the church is designed. That's what we need to have. How's it work? Who's mom? Who's dad? How do I relate to my brothers and sisters? How's the, what's the expectation of the family? And that's what a, a large part of what the book of Ephesians is about is outlining for us outlining for us how the church works. And so this one's going to be a little less applicational, but you'll get some at the end. Here we go. This is what we're doing, okay? Um, Man, you guys are very distracting right now over here laughing. There's something happened over here. Sorry. Uh, (laughs) I I would just call out Pastor Josh and ask him to tell us what's going on, but I have a feeling it's... Oh, okay. Why? Because I said Valley Forge Baptist Temple. Oh, okay. All right. Yes, we crossed the lines. So, um, it's, it, by the way, let, we'll just note that it was an, another pastor who was causing all the disruption over there. <laughs> you feel guilty. No, you don't. <laughs> 
right. Josh and I love banter, apparently. Um, so anyway, this is when it comes to uh, pursuing God as members of the body of Christ, our job is to go up, but our job is to help each other out in going up after Christ, right, and, and pursuing him. And by being a part of the body of Christ, that means that not only do I love God, but the second, is, uh, the second commandment is like unto it, that we also love our neighbor as ourselves. And that we are called together to help each other. That process of loving one another means pointing each other toward Jesus and helping each other get there. That's the, that's the point is we need that camaraderie. That's why those Lenten triads we just talked about where we're processing together, journey groups, you know, all that stuff that's about processing together and headed there. Each one of us has a responsibility to not only nurture our own spiritual life, but engage in the life of the body. And that's why we have those things called membership expectations that kind of outline for us an appropriate way to engage in the body for all of us, kind of standard ways that we engage. We all get involved in worship and in, in coming to worship on Sunday morning. We all get involved in relationships with each other. We all have our personal spiritual disciplines. We all financially invest. We all spend our time and energies and, and gifts helping one another out. Always standard ways we connect. However, each one of us has unique ways of serving as well. So when I love my brothers and sisters in Christ, I, I possess gifts. Each one of us has, has at least one gift. In Romans 12, there's this list of seven gifts. Each one of us has it. And so when I hear love one another, the way I picture loving someone is going to be different than the way others picture loving someone. Some think in terms of how can I help them out? Like what are their physical needs? Other like what are the resources they need? Others are like how can I help them become everything they're supposed to be? And others like how can I encourage them? Another's thinking how can I teach and how can I help give the information they need? You know, and all of us have our own unique stripe of how we love one another and how we engage in that activity of, of loving one another. Well, it's the same thing in leadership. That leadership in the church has its own unique ways of leading as well. And today, when we look at family design, we understand that there's a, a really important uh, role that leaders have to play in the family design of church as well and how that affects all of us. And it's important for us to be aware of that, that, that what's the point of leadership in the church? Because, you know, we have this vision that we cast last year about the Firefly Army. Anybody remember that? Matt made this awesome slide. Matt was at first service. He's not here, but he made this awesome slide that had all these fireflies buzzing all over in the back of this thing. And it was so cool. And But the, the idea is, is we've always known that at Parker Ford Church, we want to be a place of healing, a place of nurture, a place where people come out of darkness and out of deception and out of brokenness, and they come to Parker Ford Church and find love and find restoration, find the power of God, are just warmed up with God's love, filled with the truth of God. But then the vision is also that we're sent back out. And that we are fireflies that go out of this place, lit back up on fire with the presence of God, and we take that into every corner that we go. But that whole process of continuing to nurture the presence of God in the church and continuing to help individuals connect to that and making sure that we're connecting well to each other is really the job in many ways of leadership to help facilitate that. And there's... if. Last week when we talked about sometimes in the church we think that the mission is the main thing, that everything's about making disciples or reaching the lost or something like that. And if we think that way, then we have a tendency to, th to think of ourselves in term of a, terms of a business who we're just trying to kick out more disciples, whatever it takes to kick out more disciples. you know. And then we get kind of a business model of church. And if you want a good business, you've got to hire people who know how to make the product and people who can sell the product. Right? And so we, we hire experts to do the stuff. 
And in the church, leaders in the church, the job is not to be experts who know how to do the Christian stuff. So we hire them to do evangelism or them to do pastoral care to make sure everyone's taken care of. Because we as the church actually have a call to be the ministers. I want you to look at this with me in Ephesians 4 where we just read. And in verse 12, after it lists all the, uh, the ministries, all the different gifts of leadership, then it says in verse 12, the purpose is to equip the saints for the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ. So who's the ministers? The saints. Who's the saints? Yeah, you feel like a saint today, huh? <laughs> no, that's it. we are though. Those of us who have been redeemed, who have received Christ, he has washed us. And we don't wake up in the morning feeling like saints. We wake up in the morning oftentimes feeling like sinners. But then we get back to the word of God and we read the word of God and realize we're forgiven and cleansed and washed in the blood of the lamb. And we've been set free and we've been made saints, not by our own power, but by the cross. And now we are part of the priesthood, that royal priesthood, that holy nation, the people belonging to God who are called to be his manifestation here on earth. We are the body of Christ that work. Each one of us is a saint and a functioning member in the body of Christ. We are ministers. You are hereby ordained, everyone in this room, as a minister of Jesus Christ. Each one of us. Each one of us. And as ministers, we need to be continually filled up and washed and making sure that our eyes are looking in the right place, that our relationships are clean, that our lifestyles aren't being all messed up, and that we need help in that because we want to stay on mission. And the job of leadership is to help us stay in that place. It says to equip. That's what it says, to equip the saints for the work of ministry. That equipping doesn't mean that you need to be taught how to minister so much. It means that you need to stay in your place with God because the gift has already been given to you. If you've been given a gift of service, you already know how to serve. You know how to do it better than everyone else does. You know, if, if, if you've already been given a gift of teaching, you have a natural proclivity to want to tell people information and show them how it works. You don't need to be equipped in doing that. What needs equipping all the time is keeping our relationship with God and our relationship with each other intact and being educated in the word and being deeply embedded and led by the Holy Spirit and learning how to do that so that those gifts that reside within me can be set free to be everything they're supposed to be. And that's the picture of the church. That's what, and leaders are to help facilitate that activity. Okay, and so the general qualifications of leadership then become really obvious because this is the, the two things that the primary leaders of the church are called to do. But remember why in, in, in the early part of Acts, sort of toward the middle of Acts, they brought deacons on board because the, the leaders of the church, the elders of the church, they were spending all their time trying to facilitate how to feed the, the, the poor among them and, and serve the tables. And eventually they were like, this isn't working. We're programming. We're spending all our time running church. It's going to be a human institution soon. It needs to be led by Jesus and by God. We need to get back into the word and into prayer. So they hired these, or they didn't hire, they brought these deacons along who were taking care of a lot of ministry. Why? So that elders could spend their time doing what? Anybody remember what they were supposed to do? Spend their time in two things. Prayer and the Word, okay? Truth, Word of God, Spirit, prayer. 
Those who worship God, worship Him in spirit and truth. Leaders' primary objective, get in the Word. Know the truth of the Scriptures. Get in prayer. Be in touch with God. And then we need to see people whose lives resemble lives that not only know the truth and spend time in prayer, but have submitted their lives and their families into the process of God's work among us. And if they're going to do that with their family, then hopefully they'll also do that with the church. And so the whole point of leadership is if Christ is the head and we are all functioning parts of the body, the leadership is supposed to help us be connected together up into the head. It's like central nervous system or the neck, you know, that kind of connects it all together and helps all the parts work well. You know, that's that's the idea. And the way that the, the leaders do that is not, we don't look for people in leadership who are smart. We don't look for people who are skilled. We don't look for people who are professionals at getting the end product of, of discipleship or of unity. What we look for and what we hope for and what the scriptures ask us to look for in leadership is for people who are honest, who are broken, who know the word of God, who are deep in prayer, and who have submitted their lives to that. Nobody's perfect, so leaders are a mess, you know? And, and we see that all the time, but what we hope for is for leaders who continue to submit themselves in that way, in a, in a path, and kind of blazing the trail of saying, this is how we pursue God. Let's help each other in that pursuit of God. That's the whole point. Now, in the same way that all of us are members, so there's basic membership expectations, and yet each one of us has our own gift in the way we love each other, in the same way, when it comes to leaders, all of us have standard things that we're supposed to be a part of. We're, you know, that's, we're in the word and, and, and in prayer, and that we submit ourselves to that, and yet there's unique ways that each leader serves. And this is where we get down to the nitty-gritty. This is the teaching today. This is why this is important for us to understand. This scripture right here listed five different ways that leaders serve. Okay, so when it comes to serving people, there are these five gifts. There's the apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, and teacher. Okay, hang in there with me on this teaching. Some call this apest. Apostle, you know, as an acrostic, apostle, prophet, evangelist, servant, teacher. Others call it fivefold ministry, but it's the basic leadership gifts that God gives to the church to help facilitate that. Let me show you how each one affects the body and what we receive. If we're teaching, if it's a teacher, then what that gift of teaching, what do teachers do? They educate, right? So it teaches us the truth. It explains the truth to us. It does kind of what's happening right now or just happened in Sunday school or is happening with the junior church kids right now is that there's education that's happening that helps us understand what the truth is because it's very, very easy to, to believe things that aren't true. If we, because if I just believe what's in my head or what I think about God, I guarantee you it's going to take me off track. You know, the word of God is truth. And so we need those to explain the truth of the word of God. What's the shepherd do? Well, the shepherd, if, how many, are there people in here who are educators, who are teachers, or who have been teachers? Yeah, okay, a bunch of you. I know there's some who are sick right now, too, um, and aren't here with us, but I, I saw a bunch of you. You know that when you have parent-teacher conferences, that's because you realize you can't do the job on your own, right? You can give the information, but it doesn't actually go anywhere unless a parent is walking them through it. So a teacher of the Word of God, that's great. We're learning truth of the Word of God. But in order to get walked through that, you need parents. And that's what shepherds are. They're parents. They hold your hand when you're hurt, when things don't make sense, and I'm having a hard time getting through this one, or this person said that to me, you know, and I I don't know how the truth works itself out. You need a parent to walk you through that. And that's the gift of shepherd. That is an absolutely spectacular gift, the gift of shepherd, you know? 
uh, those who help us walk through that. And, and then there's also the gift of the evangelist. And the evangelist is kind of like a coach who, when you thought you gave it all you could, and then the coach comes up and is like, you know, keep going, let's go. Get, you know, and the evangelist is kind of like somewhere between a coach and a cheerleader who's like, let's go. You know, they get you moving. And there's a moment where each of us has to make decisions and we get stuck. And the job of the evangelist is to help us get unstuck and to take the next step. That's not just for people coming to faith for the first time. That's people who need to take the next step in their walk with Christ to submit themselves more to the truth. Then there's the prophetic. You know what the prophetic is? The prophetic is the defender. That's what it is. There's walls, very clear boundaries. That truth has framed for us the reality that God spoke into our life. And the prophet understands that there will constantly be deception coming our way that will try to lead us astray. And the prophet has eyes like fire that are looking around to see where the deception's coming from and saying, that's not true. That's wrong. That's not okay. And it defends the flock by saying, we're not going to let that false doctrine come in here. That lifestyle that's kind of creeping in is getting us to a place where we're going to start thinking and believing different. Because, you know, what happens for us all the time is we just subtly start to think things differently. And then we start to make different decisions about the way we live our lives. And then when we live our lives differently, we kind of start to see things differently. And the more we see things differently, then we believe things differently. And then we live our lives differently. And it's a slow decline about we're not holding on to the truth of Scripture. And that's not about some legalistic thing. That's about the truth sets us free and the prophet defends against the deception that will enslave us and trap us. And that's the prophetic. That's what that is. And then there's the apostolic. And the apostolic, what that is about, if you see, if you use your hand as a picture of the fivefold ministry, maybe you've seen this before, that these four you have prophet, evangelist, shepherd, teacher, but then the apostle is the thumb and it can touch all the others. The idea is the apostle helps facilitate all the other gifts and stays connected and encourages the leaders and stays connected to the leaders and helps facilitate all of that. If you look at Paul in the scriptures, you watch how he jumps back and forth between church to church, you know, and he's like, Philippi, you're really great at giving. You guys give over here to the church in Jerusalem. Jerusalem, you guys are keeping it real and locked down. The council of Jerusalem giving us truth over here. And, and, and over here you have Antioch and they're a missionary church and they're sending out the missions. And you have over here, you have Corinth. Holy cow. Everybody pray for Corinth because they really need help, you know? And that's what kind of what the, the, that apostolic picture is seeing bigger than just each individual. It's seeing the wider picture in the kingdom of God and helping all of those gifts find the right place and be in the, in the right uh, spot at the right time to help those who are in need. That's the picture of when it comes to remaining accountable to the truth of Jesus and the life and the spirit of Jesus among us. We need all of those gifts constantly functioning as kind of parental figures in order to keep us connected to Christ and help us to mature up into the fullness of what we're supposed to be, which is the body of Christ here on earth. Does it make sense? Why is that relevant for us? This is why. It's because if you're trying to, if you're a part of Parker Ford Church, you need to realize a couple things. First of all, is that clearly from a long time ago, Parker Ford Church has had a calling on it to be a regional church, not just a local one. And a resourcing church for churches around. Pastor Bob, when I was a kid, you know, this is my church when I was a kid, um, and having been out and about and then coming back, I have great memories of us in a different building and in a different location with almost entirely different faces at that point. And uh, I remember Pastor Bob saying, you know, 
We have so many pastors who were raised in this church, became ordained in this church, and then got sent out to do ministry elsewhere for being a tiny little country church. There's a constant flow of pastors who come out of this church and are sent. And when you go back and look at the records, it's true. There's so many pastors who have come out of this church who have been sent out. And he would always say, man, I wish they would stick around and help me out. you know. And uh, and But there was always a joke around that. But there was an understanding that there's a resourcing of the kingdom of God. And that's just a call on this church. And in the same way that some of you are servants and, and some of you are administrators and some of you are givers and some of you are gifted in different ways. Each church has its own kind of unique stripe of things that it does well and that it's part of. And one of the things that Parker Ford Church is supposed to be all about is resourcing the kingdom of God beyond just here. And it'll really help understand how church works uh, at Parker Ford Church if you get that, you know, because uh, when Josh and I came here, um, six years ago to walk through the replant with Parker Ford Church. The, the church at the time was looking for one pastor, you know, looking for a new pastor. We came with a proposal to do a replant and to bring two pastors, and we were going to raise support for half of our salary. But the, there was this thing where we also said, we want 50% of our time to be invested outside of the church, not inside of the church. Because we believe that there's a deep need for pastors in this area to be encouraged that there's a need for networking in the community so that it's not just each church serving as an island, but we work together. We believe that there's there's a whole lot that doesn't need to be recreated in this church, that we can just find what's working and help support it. You know, And so we want to get behind that stuff. So you watch Parker Ford Church. Josh just talked at the prayer time, just prayed us through Operation Backpack. We're involved with Camp Sankinac. We're involved with God's Kitchen over there at Coventry Christian, with Project Purpose, with Salvation Army. You name it, it keeps going and going. We have Netzer, that uh, regional network that we facilitate. My buddy Jay, who's at Cornerstone, who's come and taught here a few times, he and I help run that network all over the place. And, and so Parker Ford Church is a place that resources well beyond here. And that is hugely to your credit. Because you financially invest in ways that make that available. There are moments where some of what we're doing is not focused just internally at how to program well, but it's also focused externally at how to support the broader kingdom of God because we exist not just for Parker Ford Church, but for the broader kingdom of God. And if we want to understand how this church works, it's important to understand that and to see that. Uh, and particularly for myself, I, I engage, or we've kind of changed that a little bit now where, where Josh is more 80-20, he's, uh, not, he's only about 20% outside. You know, like a year ago, Josh spent, we gave Josh, we committed, what do we call that, tithing Josh to a year of prayer where he spent a whole bunch of time walking around Pottstown praying for the city of Pottstown. And there's direct measurable results for what God did as Josh prayed in that time. But we lost a lot of Josh's investment here during that time. He couldn't be as engaged as he would be because we were tithing that out. We were investing that out. Well, now Josh is, that's really kind of changed. And Josh is 80% here, about 20% out, right? Is that kind of somewhere in the 70, 30, sorry. In case you're going to track him down. Oh, (laughs) that's good. So, um, and our budget, as Owen has designed our budget recently, um, one of the things that he did, uh, Owen's our fin- financial administrator here, and as he redesigned our budget, the point was is to help us understand where our where the flow of money goes. So our mission is a people following Christ up, in, and out. And so he aligned the whole budget according to up, in, and out. 
How do we spend our money going up in worship? How do we spend it internally at developing internally? And how do we spend it outside of here? And my salary as a, as a pastor here is cut right down the middle. Half of it goes to up and half of it goes to out because the expectation is that I spend 50% of my time not at Parker Ford Church. So I'm half-time pastor at Parker Ford Church and half-time a regional uh, minister outside of this place. And let me give you just an example of some of how that works. This week on Thursday, we'll have a pastor's cohort that'll meet together where a bunch of pastors in the area will be praying together. Um, just last week, I was uh, meeting with a guy who's a pastor in Brickerville who I provide oversight for their elder team and, and help uh, work with their elder team. And I get together with him as the lead elder and meet with him periodically. I'm a district mentor to a bunch of pastors, uh, young pastors in the area. Area. We on on Monday. I'll be getting together with a church that's going through a significant transition, a, a large church that's going through a significant transition, looking for next steps. And they're asking Jay and I, as the leaders of Netzer, to come in and walk them through a consultation process by which they figure out how to make the take their next steps. So we're going to do spiritual discernment with them. And there's a, another situation right now where there's one church that's really kind of struggling, and we're asking another church to come alongside that church and help replant that church and make it a multi-site of that other church. And all of those things that we're engaged in are things that we don't see the regular stuff happening. happening. It's not things that we see day to day here at Parker Ford Church, but it helps Parker Ford Church fit into the broader kingdom of God and how it works. Okay. And so that's a thing that Parker Ford Church is making available. That's a thing that, that your resources go to help out it's that uh, there are times when you might not see as much of me because I'm running around doing all of that stuff. You might, might not see, and that's all sacrifice on your behalf in order to invest into the kingdom of God. But it's also a way in which we receive because it means there isn't one person leading any church other than Jesus. And that inside of Christ, there are a whole bunch of leaders who are helping to facilitate different angles of of the perspective of Christ, the teaching, the shepherding, the evangelism, the, the prophetic nature, the management of all of it, you know, the, the facilitation and the vision of all of that. All of that stuff is Christ leading the church. And it takes many people serving in many different ways to make that happen and to allow each one of us to receive fully what it is that we need to receive to be who we're supposed to be. All right, so with all that said, here's the direct application for each of us individually. I want you to turn with me to 1 Thessalonians, and we're going to read this as our last uh, little thing here. 1 Thessalonians 5, starting in verse 9. Oh, that was... That was supposed to be 9, not 19. Sorry, Dave. So uh, you're going to actually need to open up, creak, open up the Bible. <laughs> there are hinges on that thing. <sighs> All right. So it's 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, starting in verse 9. All right. And it says this, For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation, through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with Him. Hear that? That's so awesome. That we're not just with Him when we die, when we're asleep. We're with Him when we're awake. Right? So right now, we're receiving that salvation. We talked about that last week. We're receiving the salvation of our soul. Um, that's what First Peter talked about. So verse 10, who died for us, 
so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. Therefore, verse 11, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. So each one of us, our job in ministry is to encourage each other to build one another up toward Christ. Listen to this. This is really important to hear. A primary job of a Christian is not just to figure out how to go to Christ. It's how to look across at my brother or sister and say, I'm not just going there. I'm getting you there too. You know, each one of us has to make our own journey to Christ, but we can encourage one another and help each other and support each other in huge ways. And that's a huge part of of what's asked of us. Final instructions, verse 12, it says, we ask you brothers to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. And we urge you brothers to admonish the idle, those who aren't doing anything, tell them. You're not doing anything. Step it up. Encourage the faint-hearted, those who have, who are spent. Encourage them. Tell them, I love you. We got you. Help the weak, those who, who seem to really struggle. Help them out. Be patient with, with all, with them all. That's with each other, with all of us. Verse 15. See that no one repays evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast to what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Evil. (laughs) Evil. Evil. Now, May the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful and he will surely do it. God will do this. He will sanctify us. He will make us spirit, soul, and body, everything that we are called to be. But it says that we each got to step in and play our part. And we also have to honor those who have the, who have the job of praying and seeking God in the, in, uh, the Word of God and helping to apply that to our lives. There's this massive thing all throughout the scriptures, accountability that's laid on leadership. Have you ever noticed this? That it holds leadership and especially teachers to a very high level of accountability, which is why the stuff we've walked through in the last few weeks has been a really big deal because it's about leadership, not just about someone who struggled with something, you know. And, and what's more is that that accountability that's all over the place for leaders also comes with it all these commands to honor leaders and pray for leaders. Why? Because not only is there a big target on leaders' backs that the enemy wants to shoot at them, but because we understand that if we're going to go up and connect with Christ, We actually need those leadership gifts to help us out. And so all of us got to be on our faces praying for the leaders and saying, God, help us because we need to receive truth. We need to receive the word of God. We need to be prayed for. We need to be led. We need to be shepherded. We need to be exhorted. We need to be evangelized. We need to be taught. We need all of that, God. And we need it to all work together. And we need the body of Christ to come up and be what it's supposed to be. And all of us want to experience all that you have for us. And we recognize that in this family, your design is you've put people in place to really help facilitate that. So I'm going to get on my knees and I'm going to pray for those people. And when they've sought the Lord and when they taught the word, we're going to respect what they have to say. We're going to take it seriously and we're going to do our very best to make that a part of our lives and to honor that and hold that up as something valuable. And you know what? I love that Parker Ford Church is a place where I've been called to be a leader because I have felt a great level of respect. And in the last few weeks here, 
as we've gone through some difficult times, I have felt a massive amount of honor and prayer and have seen support happen and camaraderie through that. And I just want to thank you. And I I, want to praise God and thank you for that. And I want to say that's the design of the body of Christ. He's put it in place. It's working. Continue to press in. Go after it. God's going to be doing great things. 2014 is going to be an awesome year for the kingdom of God. I know it in my heart of hearts that God's going to be doing good stuff and that he's raising up our, our in our church all of us to be the ministers we're supposed to be, some among us to be leaders that are really supposed to be in, the, in, uh, in this church. And I would ask particularly that throughout 2014, you will put Josh Bitework and Josh Hostetter on your prayer list and pray deeply for them as they go deeper and deeper in their gifts of shepherding, particularly Bitework, because he's going to catch one after the service for messing with me. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but uh, seriously, that you would pray for these guys because as God has continued to also uh, uh, engage me more and more with other pastors and leaders around the area, it's required a lot more of them here at Parker Ford Church. And so I ask that the inner workings of Parker Ford Church, you would really pray for those guys, you know, and, and get behind them and for the elders. And as we uh, move forward with staffing and leading, given the current state of things, we have some stuff we've got to work through. Pray for that. Just pray for it. I know you are. Please continue to. And uh, in the long run, it will stand to benefit all of us as we receive the fullness of what God has for us. Thanks for being patient even throughout this message. It's been a long one today, and I appreciate you hanging in there for that teaching. Join me in prayer.